Welcome to Beyond the Habit. Moving beyond everyday assumptions of what it means to be Catholic and live the gospel with two Catholic sisters. Who are trying to find common ground, create unity, and talk about real life issues. Led by two sisters of St. Joseph. That's us. I'm Sister Erin McDonald. And I'm Sister Colleen Gibson. So Erin, another day, another episode of Beyond the Habit. Today, I think we're going to keep this banter short because I think we have a really exciting episode. We have a really wonderful guest. Father Michael Rossman is going to be with us today talking about what it means to be a digital minister, uh, his own journey as a Jesuit, what he's learned, and kind of preaching the gospel in this digital context and in digital community. Uh, and so it's a really great, great episode, but we were talking about how we've learned so much in the process. If anybody out there who's listening, if you listen to episode one versus this one, I think you can see that we've grown a lot. Right, Erin, you think? Yeah, I do. So full confession is here we are in season two of Beyond the Habit. And I have actually not yet listened to one full episode because I'm still working through my own emotional struggles of like, listening to myself <laughs> full, full on cringe really 100 <laughs> i started last season when we had to help with some of the editing was like you know what i'm not going to listen to the audio file i'm going to read the scripts that we would get sent because mm-hmm. i just would be like why did i say that you know and thinking mm-hmm. like what am i doing here and you know so absolutely now some of that is my own struggle for you know am i enough and and am i doing this right and you know the vulnerability of being on these you know digital platforms that i know a lot of other people experience as well too i think it might be a biological thing like i don't think we're meant to hear ourselves like i <laughs> i do not sound like i sound in my head on these episodes <laughs> it's a fascinating uh, occurrence but I think Michael Rossman has this phrase that you kind of brought to, to my attention about like, you know, we have to go through things, but also when you begin creating content, you have to start somewhere and yeah. it's probably not going to be ideal. And you may spend hours agonizing over it uh, and it may not be the best, but you have to start somewhere. You have to put in your hours, you know, like the Malcolm Gladwell, uh, you know, 40,000 hours to become an expert at something. Mm. So we thank you, dear listeners. As we said at the beginning, you know, we dove in feet first. I don't think we knew what we were getting ourselves into, but we trust the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will guide this whole enterprise. Yes, this has been baptism by fire. You know, we didn't go to podcast school and, you know, we showed up and said we'd give it our best because I think for both of us and for myself, as I'm reflecting in this moment, for the sake of the mission, you know, because... I believe in the great love of God and our charism as sisters of St. Joseph, you know, rooted in unioning love and reconciliation is needed in our world. And, and so there's a zeal, a passion, you know, the, the sisters of St. Joseph have this portrait of a daughter, you know, a portrait of a sister of St. Joseph. And it's really like 
eyes open, ears attentive, sleeves rolled up. Podcast downloaded. Yeah, <laughs> the image of us being ready to take on what's what's needed in the world. So here we are and, you know, cringing our way through trying to do a little bit of the Lord's work. Yeah. So 21st century ministry and preaching the good news, speaking to, you know, how the gospel speaks to us and to keep growing. I think in this adventure, there's no better team that we could work with to expand Erin uh, a great co-host, Elizabeth, Sarah, all of our team who make this possible forward into the future. So we're so excited today to welcome Father Michael Rossman. Today, we're going to be talking with Father Michael Rossman, a Jesuit priest, Michael is currently working on a doctorate in theology in Rome, and he serves as a vocation promoter for the Midwest province of the Society of Jesus. He studied economics and theology at Notre Dame, and he also holds a Master of Divinity from Boston College School of Theology and Ministry. Prior to his work as a vocation promoter, Michael served as the editor-in-chief at the Jesuit Post, where he began the One Minute Homily, a series of video reflections on the Sunday readings. He is also the author of the book, The Freedom of Missing Out, Letting Go of Fear and Saying Yes to Life. We are excited to talk with you today, Michael. Welcome. It's great to be with you. Oh, Michael, we're so thrilled. So, Father Michael, we have a lot of uh, exciting and amazing things to talk with you about today, none the least of which is, is your book and your work with the Jesuit Post. Uh, however, my first burning question is, one of your online bios says that one of your favorite hobbies is mushroom hunting. Wow, I did not realize that was out there, but that is 100% accurate. Things don't die on the internet. They just stick around. <laughs> yep, I have to admit it is still out there. And did I find it? Yes. And did I make a note? Absolutely. Um, mushroom hunting and a life goal is to meet Tina Fey. <laughs> I think there is no better place to start in getting to know you than tell us about mushroom hunting and why is this one of your favorite hobbies? I love it. I want to know more. Yeah, so I grew up in Iowa. Granted, I grew up in a college town. And so while my grandparents had been involved in agriculture, that was not my direct experience. But maybe because I knew it was in my family history, I always kind of had an interest in the outdoors and watching things grow. And eventually, uh, perhaps after one of my brothers got into mushroom hunting, I thought, oh, that sounded quite interesting. And maybe it was beginner's luck, but the very first time I went mushroom hunting, I found a bounty and I got absolutely hooked. So I have continued this hobby in different places where I've lived. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Michael, do you have a favorite type of mushroom? Ooh. So in the U.S., um, I typically look for morels in the spring. But since moving to Italy, I have to say porcini are wonderful and they are abundant in the Alps. <laughs> I love it. I also am a fan of mushrooms. I will admit I've never been mushroom hunting, but I do enjoy cooking with mushrooms and love eating them. I know they're a little bit of a controversial 
food, you know, you're like, either you love them or you hate them. But um, clearly, we are a group of people who enjoy a, a good mushroom. So um, thank you for sharing that. I just thought that was such a fun and fascinating starting point and such an unexpected, probably we all have these quirky, interesting hobbies that are part of our lives. And so why not just start right there? <laughs> <laughs> why not indeed? Yes. So from, you know, the mundane and the mushrooms to the deep stuff, you know, I wonder, Michael, if you could tell us, you talk a lot about being a digital minister. You've done that uh, for the last, you know, six, seven years, even beyond that. I wonder, how did you get engaged in that? Why, what drew you to digital ministry? Yeah. So I never formally studied communications or journalism or anything like that, um, though I guess even when I was in high school, I went to a tiny Catholic high school and I was the editor of our school newspaper. So even from that point, I had some interest in communications, but I didn't really do anything with that in college. And soon after joining the Jesuits, though, I started writing for my home diocesan newspaper. Was, my stuff was probably read by my mother and some little old ladies, <laughs> uh, but it was a good outlet for, you know, trying to communicate something to, to people today. And then back in January 2012 is when um, a group of young Jesuits in formation started the Jesuit Post uh, and the guys who were ahead of me in formation who started this um, project invited me to kind of be involved from the beginning. Perhaps they knew that I had some interest in writing and communications. So I did that first as a writer and then later as an editor and leader of that project. And then as I was kind of in those online trenches, I realized that you know, the social media landscape had really been shifting in significant ways. And I noticed how there really had been a movement toward images and video. And I had an interest in trying to kind of break into that space as well. So it was just after my uh, ordination to the priesthood in 2017, when I um, started the One Minute Homily series. That's amazing. And I love too how sometimes life takes these unexpected turns, right? Like it wasn't necessarily in your, you know, life plan that like, this is what I'm going to do. And yet the Holy Spirit shows up and does a little bit of, you know, spirit work sometimes in providing these opportunities that kind of take you in a new direction. In keeping with that, tell us a little more about how you feel that these are important spaces for you know, I think kind of faith formation a little bit and spiritual development, because we know that in the Catholic church, there is a, a moment right now where the number of people showing up for Sunday mass and participation in other spaces, especially with certain demographics, like kind of young adults that aren't in college anymore, you know, that there's these in-between gaps where it's like, where do I get my spiritual nourishment and sort of, you know, reflection space and community space, because there are some gaps that are existing for some of our faithful in, in the world right now. And I feel like these are ways to kind of provide some of that. So how is like, has that been true in your experience? And how do you feel it's important right now? Definitely, I absolutely agree. And, you know, the reality is, as you said, that not everyone is showing up on Sunday, or maybe not you know, every Sunday. And so the church can't just kind of, you know, sit uh, on her hands and wait for people to come to us. We also have to go out 
uh, to the periphery, uh, mm -hmm. to where people are. And, you know, a significant percentage of just kind of the conversation today happens online. This is where we spend a significant amount of our, you know, waking hours. Um, additionally, uh, it can be intimidating to many to, okay, go to some formal church event, or maybe people have questions and doubts. But uh, with the anonymity of kind of the online space, there can be opportunities for communicating with people we might not otherwise have the chance of being in conversation with. Uh, oftentimes, when we talk about online anonymity, we focus on the negative aspects, and those are real, but there are great opportunities for dialogue as well. And Michael, I think that's so true, you know, that there's almost like these fields that are just open. And I think the first time that I ran across you in the kind of the digital space, the Instagram space, Aaron and I have both worked in college campus ministry. Aaron still does. And I remember I had a student come in and she said, you know, I was scrolling through my feed and, and there was this guy and he's in a collar. I think he's a priest, but he was talking, he was talking in words I understood. And he was talking about like how to make decisions. And she was like, I think I'm going to follow him. And I was like, I think you should. I think that would be really a great space. But I think in listening to you speak, it's how do you create an accessible space and almost, you know, a digital place of parish, a digital place of church so that people can, can get their feet wet can, you know, be introduced to key concepts from the Ignatian tradition, from our Catholic faith, and say, like, well, here's a taste, here's a little appetizer, here's a little morale uh, that you can, like, follow on and, and make your way into the church. Um, so I wonder if you could speak a little bit more about that, because I think a lot of our, our listeners will know you from that space. Yeah, thanks so much for that feedback, uh, Colleen. And I love the morale reference. <laughs> Let's see how <laughs> tying the mushrooms <laughs> in all over the place. <laughs> That's why we keep her around, you know. <laughs> Michael the Mushroom Man Rossman. That's going to be your new title. We're going to get it all over the internet. Right. No, there there really is such a, a need and an opportunity for being able to you know, use people's language today by you know putting ourselves out there by witnessing kind of in the online environment. And I want to take what is wonderful about our tradition, and I don't hide the fact whatsoever that I am a Catholic priest. I you know wear my collar when I do my online ministry. At the same time, I recognize that not everyone has such deep uh, trust in institutions. Um, not everyone may be as well versed in that tradition. And so I want to bring the richness, but communicate in a way that is accessible to people today. Plus, I, in addition to reading and listening and watching to religious sources, I also read and listen and watch to non-religious sources. And I find so much um, that is interesting. And I recognize that others are also, you know, finding life and joy and goodness in these different sources. And so I want to try to make connections um, with that rich tradition and with kind of the contemporary conversation. I find it worthwhile and enjoyable, and I kind of put myself out there, and it seems as if it resonates with at least some people as well.
a question that just came to mind for me. If we were to imagine, so we're going to use a little uh, Ignatian sort of, you know, imaginative prayer here. I really appreciate imaginative prayer and, and sort of contemplation in ways that puts me in the scene of scripture that I'm reading and imagining myself sort of at the table, you know, with the apostles, with Jesus or in that moment. But now thinking of it conversely, like imagining if Jesus were here at the table with us in, you know, in the living room, and we were having this conversation with him about digital media, what kind of platforms do you think Jesus would be on today? <laughs> you know, that's a great question. And when I, you know, read the scriptures, I recognize how Jesus did not avoid imperfect and fully mm. human spaces. You know, a significant number of you know, his discourses happened in the marketplace uh, where you had all of humanity gathered with all of our brokenness and beauty and imperfection and quirkiness. Jesus did not avoid those types of spaces. And so, you know, I don't know if he would necessarily endorse a particular platform, Fair. Um, but I think he would be speaking in the spaces where people are having conversations today. Um, this is not to ignore, you know, some of those negative aspects uh, mm. of our online environment. They are real and we cannot close our eyes to them. We're already kind of embedded in this digital reality. Uh, I don't see, you know, priests or bishops uh, getting rid of their smartphones or anyone else for that matter. <laughs> Um, additionally, I, I think the invitation that we repeatedly encounter throughout scripture, and as I kind of engage in imaginative prayer as well, the invitation is not to be afraid, um, but to go with, with courage to, to try to share the good news. Mm. And I think it's so true to be in those spaces, Michael, like the, that Jesus would be there. Jesus, he might have a blue check mark next to him on Twitter. <laughs> I'm sure he would be on Be Real, uh, you know, <laughs> he'd have all of his followers with him. Um, but that point you just made about, you know, to be in the imperfect spaces, you know, that Jesus was having difficult conversations. He was he was being asked questions that sometimes he answered and sometimes he didn't. And I think, you know, we can easily dismiss digital platforms. We can say, you know, oh, the, there are places where people can hide in anonymity, where people can get into conversations uh, that may not go anywhere or may be self-serving. But to also say there's also really potential for depth in these spaces and for deeper conversation. And um, I've heard you in, in speaking before talk about like the hollowing out, you know, that in some ways, like our our mindset, our attention span is either the length of a TikTok video or if you're listening to this podcast, you know, you're listening for like an hour or you're binging things. So I wonder what's the potential? Like, what is the hope that's being offered to us in these digital spaces? Yeah, I love that question. And, you know, it is so easy to focus on the negative or, you know, our seemingly declining attention spans. Uh, and I point the finger at myself when I say that, of course. Um, but as you said, there are there's potential here. There are opportunities. Uh, when I read the statements from, you know, Pope Francis and so many others, while identifying, okay, concerns and things that we need to be aware of, Pope Francis also uses the language of the internet being a gift from God. 
Um, and I love this format of the podcast. I don't have a podcast myself. It's wonderful to be invited to, to join you. Anytime you want to come over, we'll have you. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. But I do, I do listen to many podcasts, and I just love this format whereby we can really dive deeply into a particular topic, uh, or you know, you can encounter something, and then, as you said, kind of go back in the catalog and listen to you know past episodes and go even deeper. For me, it's a more uh, nourishing form of communication than kind of like a, you know, a quick two minute soundbite in cable television or something that uh, there is an opportunity for uh, depth in an online space that at least initially can look quite superficial. Mm. In this conversation about sort of digital platforms, and, you know, I'm also connecting here as we're talking to your book, The Freedom of Missing Out, because there's some intersecting points here too. As you talk about some of the pros and cons of the digital world, there's so much potential and positivity and, you know, goodness, and also a lot of challenges and negativity. And there's the potential as well that it feeds at times a culture of like just inundated with information. Like we're overwhelmed with options all the time. So again, this both and, and yet, you know, it can invite us to be more discerning. And as I think your book talks about, you know, how are we discerning choices and making commitments and really like embracing that choice and reaping the the graces and the gifts and the learnings and the beauty of that commitment and living into that and not kind of, I think sometimes it's like analysis paralysis. We get frozen because we can't decide. And I work with young adults and I see so often this overwhelming sense of like, what, what should I do with my life? And I'm afraid of making the wrong choice and it creates so much stress. And yet I try to say so often, it's like we're choosing between a multitude of good options. Now, that isn't true of everyone. There are clearly Mm -hmm. so many factors. But for so many people, though, it's really discerning between, you know, a multitude of of good. And it's really just discerning and, and choosing one and committing to that path and and continuing that discerning spirit and walking forward. But tell us a little bit more about what inspired this book uh, for you to write this and share, you know, these thoughts. Yes, yes, I really agree with that. And I like that phrase you used near the end, walking forward, because mm-hmm. I think perhaps the greatest danger is when we don't decide at all, when we mm-hmm. don't walk forward in any direction, um, which in a sense is a decision, but oftentimes not the best decision. Um, discernment, as you said, is is always between goods. We don't need to discern whether or not we should you know, rob the bank. Okay, no, that's not a good thing. <laughs> Uh, I think Ignatius or Jesus, for that matter, would say, mm, not so much. You heard it here first, people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in discernment, yeah, we're, we're choosing between goods. But inevitably, when we choose a good option, that means saying no to the other options. And of course, uh, the reason why you know I wrote this book, The Freedom of Missing Out, is because I recognize in others, but also in myself, how there is this fear of missing out that we worry that if we commit ourselves to something, then we'll miss out on, you know, so many other opportunities, perhaps better opportunities. So oftentimes we get 
stuck and paralyzed. But that state of being stuck uh, means that we miss out on the goodness of any one of those options. And how I try to frame it is that decisions aren't about deprivation. That if by committing ourselves to someone or something, it's not about all that we will miss out. Rather, if we don't commit ourselves to someone or something, then we would miss out on the richness of, you know, being uh, identified in a particular way of, you know, going deep in a particular direction. Because before we really commit to someone or something, we're inevitably going to be kind of on the surface. So I try to kind of frame this in terms of abundance and that the only way to really achieve that is to step forward, as you said, is to, you know, dive in. And regarding kind of our own, you know, media consumption and so forth, you know, I recognize that there is this just limitless buffet of options in terms of what we can read and watch and listen to. We simply cannot, you know, consume at all, nor would we want to. And so, we have to make a discernment of sorts as well. Again, not about deprivation, but about abundance. We, you know, can dive into a few, you know, thinkers at a time and really, you know, mine the insights and, you know, integrate that wisdom for our own lives. Mm. It's so important, Michael. There's, there's two pieces in that, I think, to pick up on. The first is, you know, abundance and freedom are things that are inherently linked to God. And God wants us to experience the abundance of God's love and wants us to be free. Yes. And so I think just uh, like to repeat that so the people in the back can hear, you know, God <laughs> wants us to be happy. God wants us to live a fullness of life. And what a gift that is in this space. And I once had a spiritual director say to me, you know, like, God doesn't want you to be miserable, like in this discernment. It's not about like choosing the harder path or the more difficult thing. Like, God is with you and wants you to be free and be happy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And and that that freedom and that joy doesn't necessarily mean a lifetime of kind of surface level pleasure. Um, oftentimes, you know, if we look to scripture, you know. God invites people into a challenging and amazing adventure. And probably as we look at our own, you know, vocation stories, we recognize moments of great challenge, frequently connected to an abundance of meaning and joy and life. Um, Two of my favorite lines from scripture are, for freedom, Christ set us free. And he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Okay. So we're given this incredible gift of freedom and then invited to similarly freely commit ourselves, you know, for the service of others. Initially, it's not about deprivation, but really, yeah, our God wants us to have life in abundance. And picking up on that theme that you're you're speaking to is, you know, God wants us to have life in abundance. And I think it's so important, again, sort of like echoing that that doesn't always mean that everything's going to be surface level, you know, joyful and polished and shiny. Like imperfection is part of our humanness. Like only God is perfect. We are imperfect because I think that's another challenging point that I too... I am afraid of failure. You know, I'm, I'm afraid, am I enough? And, 
that can also create for us obstacles and challenges to freedom and to being really, I think, open and authentic with God and with my community, um, with my family. And so, you know, there's this piece of embracing that God loves us and is with us and that there is abundance and that choosing might be hard and it might be imperfect. I think of a scripture from Isaiah, you know, I heard the whisper in my ear, this is the way walk in it. And those images, that image of like pilgrim on the journey really speak to me in a spiritual way for those reasons that it's very much about what's the next step and trusting in God's providence, trusting in my discernment. And it may not lead where I think it is, or it may not work out the ways that I think it will. But if I am really being faithful and discerning and and really moving into that next step and trusting that this is the way, walk in it, um, it allows me more freedom to be able to let go of all the other what ifs, you know, what if I've done this? And what if I've done that? (laughs) That can be really overwhelming for so many of us. And like that to me just feels really, really significant. Um, And a quick short story is I was, uh, got on an airplane with two fellow sisters to walk the Camino de Santiago. This was before I professed first vows and I had a, a passport issue. It's a long story, but I wasn't allowed entry into continental Europe. So here we are. This pilgrimage goes right out the window. And I thought, well, God has a sense of humor sometimes when I was really trying to pray with this spirit of like trusting in God's providence and living in the sacredness of the moment. But we ended up sort of doing this walking pilgrimage through Ireland. But there was a quote, we spent a night at a retreat center in um, County Wicklow. And there was, I walked in the door and there was a quote right there on the wall by an English poet whose name escapes me at the moment, but sort of saying, you know, it's no use worrying where other paths may have led for they led elsewhere. And that your only true destination is here and now. And that still, I mean, nearly a decade later, still stays with me. And I pray with that often because it's that same sentiment of the temptation to go the road of the what ifs. But to trust in here and now is my true destination with all of its imperfections. I could feel like, gee, this whole pilgrimage was a big failure because it wasn't all the things that I thought it should be, but yet it was probably what I needed (laughs) and full of incredible spiritual learning. So, you know, just speaking to that, you know, sense of imperfection and in sort of trusting in the choices that you're making feels relevant, especially in the context of your book and so much of what you talk about. Yeah. And I can make connections with different parts of our conversation as well. You know, thinking about, you know, trying to speak in this digital space uh <laughs> it's an opportunity mm-hmm. and a challenge to you know be a very imperfect person out there you know in the online world uh creating content that will exist in some form <laughs> in perpetuity such mm-hmm. that you know an interviewer might even bring up you know a reference to morel mushrooms for example <laughs> who um, would do but... that you're never going to escape it never it's never going to go away <laughs> And yet, and yet, I also recognize that when we actually kind of put ourselves out there, despite the imperfection, if we get our reps in, whether that is creating online content, or whether that is making decisions in our lives, 
related to what God might be calling us to, that in the process, we not only, okay, get better at our craft, but we also discover more and more who we are and how we are being called. Michael, I'm thinking of, as you're speaking, uh, you know, Ignatius, your man, St. Ignatius, (laughs) has this phrase, you know, like, do what you are doing, you know, like to be present in this moment. And I wonder for you, as a digital content creator, as a minister, how do you not necessarily struggle with that? How do you focus on doing that work of being present in this moment? Because I think it can be tempting sometimes to to look at, you know, the analytics, to look at the number of likes you have, the number of listens, the number of views on things. How do you personally, um, how do you gain that freedom that you're talking about in kind of recognizing, oh, this is a ministry that I do. And I'm also a human being who is imperfect outside of this space. I wonder if you could speak a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I would be lying if I were to say that, you know, I never looked at the analytics, you know, at the numbers and looking at some of those metrics can be helpful. Um, But as you said, (laughs) some of that can also take one away from kind of the present moment and the current reality. I would say that um, it's gotten a little easier for me over time. Uh, But again, kind of echoing this point about that imperfection, but getting our repetitions in, in the process, we can, you know, discover more and go deeper. After, you know, doing online content creation for a while, I have a number of examples of times when I really thought that I I made a good video and it just landed like a lead balloon. You know, no one watched (laughs) it, no one shared it. And then there have been other times when (laughs) I really didn't think that this was my best work. And for whatever reason, you know, it kind of rode the algorithm and people did watch it and share it. Uh, Oftentimes when we're creating, we're just so close to the work that we're not a great judge. And it is helpful to be kind of humbled by those uh, times when it didn't go the way that we had wanted and hoped. Um, And it is also helpful to have those wins whereby, you know, for whatever reason, uh, something did really resonate with people in ways that we didn't quite anticipate. And so kind of through that repetition, I'd say that I have a little bit more distance from kind of any external success or the metrics that might be connected uh, to that work of creation. Instead, my focus tries to be on just, you know, kind of doing my job, uh, just putting something out there each week. And whatever happens with that, that's up to the algorithms and so forth. But I can at least show up and do my job. Yeah, I think it's the freedom, whether you're listening to this and you want to create digital content or you're living your life and you, you know, you're second guessing, oh, should I say this in this situation? Should I, I don't know what's the best path, like to have the freedom to be like, well, maybe you should just take the risk and put it out there and see, you know, see where the spirit takes it because you can't, you can't determine how people are going to receive what you offer. Exactly. And it's also important to pay attention to kind of what is stirring within. So that external feedback, whether that's through a particular metric or through, you know, a conversation with people who really would know us and love us and so forth, that external feedback is really helpful. It's also really important to just pay attention to kind of what is stirring within. And certainly in my own journey with this, you know, work of online creation, um, I recognize that 
I am a better person when I am, okay, always, you know, thinking about ideas and then I'm kind of pushing myself to share them publicly, just as a teacher really learns the content when she has to teach it. I find that I am more attentive and creative when I kind of have this outlet, you know, for uh, my own work. And I like this process. You know, I like how it is pushing me in different ways and I am, you know, growing through it all. And so that is also important to pay attention to, um, just kind of what is stirring within. As we were talking about before, you know, abundance, joy, peace, these are in language of Ignatius, you know, signs of consolation, signs that we should also pay attention to in addition to at least a glance at maybe some of those external metrics. So onto a, a personal question as we're talking about this, about your own prayer life. How does your prayer life and perhaps your community life accompany you, support you, you know, challenge you in those consolation and desolation moments as you're referencing? You know, if you maybe share with us, like, how has this impacted, shifted, molded some of your prayer life um, and your community life? Yeah. So in my own prayer journey, uh, I recognize a need to both be grounded in scripture and tradition and the liturgy, in addition to praying through my daily experience as well and paying attention to you know, my concrete reality and also kind of what is stirring within. If I were only praying with the scripture and had no connection with my own personal experience, something would be off. Likewise, if I only focused on my personal experience, certainly there would be something that was off. So I really need to be kind of grounded in both. And then, as you mentioned, that needs to be incorporated into a communal experience as well. So that is literally joining my Jesuit community for, for mass and so forth. But the ongoing practice of spiritual direction is also really important, whereby in addition to, okay, kind of reflecting on my own, I can uh, verbalize that to another, just kind of have someone to bounce something off or to talk to uh, my superior. I'd say that even if someone, you know, is not a member of a religious congregation, uh, it is important to have that communal dimension as well, both for the spiritual journey, but also in addition to, you know, uh, other parts of our conversation for the work of whether it's, you know, content creation or whatever work one may be engaged in to have that community to, uh, carry the load, uh, mm -hmm. to celebrate the joys and comfort us in uh, more difficult moments as well. Amen. Amen. I mean, really, that's it's the gift of community that we carry one another uh, in good times and in bad. And we challenge one another, we stretch one another. But to have that contact and that intimacy uh, that invites us to so much more uh, and to be better versions of ourselves, to explore, you know, the greatness and the goodness that God has given us. And so whatever community you're in, to be able to find that space and find those people who nurture that within you. Well, Michael, this has been wonderful. We've been blessed, I think, to build community with you just in this time. Right, right. And that is the thing. That is one of the gifts and the opportunities of this digital space is that we can form community, at least in some ways. Of course, you know, embodied community is uh, irreplaceable. 
but we can form real community as well. I mean, I, I think about some of the people I have joined with in prayer groups and retreats whom I have never actually met in person. Or Colleen, I've never met you in person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we can have at least some taste of that communal experience, even online. Well, Michael, this has been a blessing to be with you. So to give some people some more glimpses, no more questions about mushrooms, we promise. But uh, as our listeners know, and as we did warn you, we like to end our episodes with a little bit of a lightning round question series. So just first thing that comes to your mind. Okay? I'm both excited and intimidated and scared <laughs> right now. Uh, oh, you're a pro. You're going to be fine. We're going to, you're in good hands. We all are a community together. So maybe a first question, you know, you're in Rome. What's your favorite flavor gelato? Ooh, uh, hazelnut and pistachio together. Ooh, mm. love it. Okay, a little more serious. Of the 12 apostles, who's your favorite? Ooh, <laughs> that is really, really hard. Um, goodness, uh, I'm going to say Peter because he's just so delightfully human. Ah, that's my favorite too. Sorry, stole my answer. <laughs> Um, is there an Instagram account or a podcast that you would recommend to our listeners to listen or follow along with? Oof. Uh, okay. Where to begin, <laughs> especially with, uh, with podcasts. Um, mm. <laughs> okay. The one that just came to mind, is called conversations with Tyler. Tyler Cowan is an economist from George Mason university. I recognize that sounds so random, but he is one of the most curious, people on this planet. And I thoroughly enjoy his conversations. Oh, I love it. Love it. Uh, what was your first job? <laughs> the Hy-Vee supermarket when I was 15 years old, begging groceries. <laughs> uh, Michael, BC or Notre Dame? Ooh. <laughs> I cheer for BC 364 days a year, but uh, my roots with Notre Dame run very, very deep. He's a Jesuit. He will always root for those Ignatian teams. In Notre Dame, that that you know, that blue and gold, it runs deep. I know. Oh gosh. Um, who's your favorite saint? Ooh, um, okay. Don't tell Ignatius this, but my favorite saint is actually another Jesuit. His name is Alberto Hurtado, uh, 20th century Chilean saint, uh, wonderful, joyful man committed to the poor. Uh, a really inspiring story. Mm. Michael, at the end of a long day, what is your drink of choice or your pleasure to end the day with? Okay, drink of choice would be, actually, uh, we just had our community night last night. I love sitting around with guys in my community once a week and having a beer and laughing together. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. That was wonderful. I appreciated all your answers. It's as much fun for us as it is perhaps for folks who who get to answer the questions. Um, but anyway, thank you so much. This has been an amazing and enlightening, challenging conversation. I think it gives me, us, much to think about and pray about, reflect on. Um, we appreciate you taking the time from Rome to do this with us. Um, so it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Father Michael. Great. It's wonderful to be with both of you. Thanks so much, Michael. You've been listening to Beyond the Habit. If you've enjoyed listening to us today, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. 
We appreciate any kind reviews you want to leave us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your episodes. Also, be sure to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram and invite others to follow us too. Or send us an email at beyondthehabitpod at gmail.com. Thank you to our guest, Father Michael Rossman, for being in conversation with us today. Thank you also to all those who have made this podcast possible, especially our sisters from the Congregation of St. Joseph and the Sisters of St. Joseph of Philadelphia, our sound editor, Angie Hayes, our music composer, Matthew Dolan, our producer, Elizabeth Powers, and Sister Sarah Simmons, who works with us on preparing these episodes. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Arrivederci. so true to be in those spaces, Michael, like that Jesus would be there. Jesus, he might have a blue check mark next to him on Twitter. (laughs)